What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is the Facts Project. Today, I got two special guests today. Two, two special guests, okay? And this is special because for one, for one, I've had the opportunity to talk to Brian Lambert before about this collaboration with Constant Hustle Comics, with Concept Moon, and themselves, Nightfall. And today, I have also the writer and editor of Wingless Comics himself, Malachi Bailey, who's also joining us on the show. So I appreciate the both of you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Word, man. This is this is this is goddamn dope, man. All right. So for one, for anybody that does not know, I got a little snippet, a good six page snippet of Nightfall 2 just before we started the show. And for those of you that haven't had the opportunity to read Nightfall 1, all right, let's just say this. Generally, in the past, you have a lot of uh, a lot of people who have put a lot of strong characters together. And and note, oftentimes it turns out to be a little bit sloppy. This was not the case. For one, it was an extremely powerful told story. It had all the quirkiness that that was needed to involve a lot of the viewers and keep them involved. But there was it. It, the ability to have that many strong characters within a book and for it to be just like that dope meant something. And it, it's it's definitely meaningful for you guys to do this because not a lot of people can do what you do as far as the collaboration between a few other companies with a lot of great characters and then put out awesome books. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely been like a um, a labor of love, right? But like, I'm gonna say emphasis on the labor part because people don't think about that. Like it's not, it's not like an easy lift uh, for anybody. I'm not easy to deal with when I'm in my writing phase, which is why I have Malachi edit for me. Um, I didn't need you to look away like that. I need you. <laughs> I don't need you to co-sign that. Uh, no, but you know what I mean. Like we, we get these creative streaks or whatever, right? And and I think anybody who's done comics or doing comics, movies, entertainment. You know, you grew up as a kid seeing crossovers, seeing these different things. You know, seeing these big uh, productions. And so to get the chance to actually do that, one, is great. Mm-hmm. Then to have someone that you respect, like you, tell you you did it well is, uh, is an entirely different level of it, right? Like, and anybody can do one issue and, oh, yeah, man, we just do all these guys to get together. But um, one of the things that I really focused on when writing it was making sure that um, it was like cohesive. Yeah. You have a lot of worlds where um, you get info dumps. It's like, oh, yeah, hell, hell, oh, yeah, we're on the, we're on. The Grandmaster Facts Show and James Boyce, he did such such. And in 1982, like you got to tell everything. So it's boring as opposed to just like, nah, we're here. We're making jokes. Okay, we may have known each other before. We may not have known each other before. But like you're in the real world. And I think that rings more um, true than let's say your um, 90s X-Men cartoon introduction uh, of Gambit and the externals. uh, Because you got to give a bunch of background. That's good for a cartoon. But when you're trying to do... um, I don't know, real impactful kind of groundbreaking for lack of better words, comics. You, you, you can do that. I just don't find it as engaging. Yeah. And now uh, if you if you if either of you could basically like uh, let the let the audience know how this collaboration came about. Right. Uh, OK, I was going to I was going to give you one. Uh, also, I noticed my background. So I'm going to say real quick. Thank you guys for bearing with me. I know there's some boxes and stuff in my background. I apologize. The Wingless Comics Studios, we're in the middle of a move. That's what I call my apartment, Wingless Comics Studios. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm about to move to a new place, so forgive my background here. Um, but um, so um, I, I worked with, a, formerly I worked with a pretty well-known 
uh, indie comic company. Yeah. And when I broke off from that company, um, and, and they've gone on to some pretty good success themselves, but when I broke off, um, I had this idea. And, and just before I did, I had this idea. I wanted to do a crossover. Literally, that was like my only idea. Like, man, I want to put five or six characters. I love the old Extinction Agenda, um, X-Men stuff. That, 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 like, Extinction Agenda is my one. That and uh, Executioner Song. I love those two. Those kind of brought me into big world comics. Well, and see, that's before, you know, Marvel versus DC and everything else. Yeah, E for Extinction was my my, my yes. E for Extinction. That was like one of yeah. my first big events as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know what I mean? Like, they, they still do it now, but I think it was more an event, of an event then. You know, every you had to wait like every year or two years for an event to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to do that. And I wanted to do that with indies. And I had seen some other people do it, but honestly, I always felt, it, it always felt like tacked on to me. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, look at my friend's character. And it's like, it did, the story never went anywhere. And even DC itself, right? I love DC. I'm a DC guy. Mm. The endings of their books, like their buildup, dope. Their endings, I'm like, what? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, Marvel on, on the other end for me, like their, their beginnings are kind of, uh, but then their endings end up being super dope, like right. nine times out of 10. The, um, so I wanted to do something that balanced both. The reference that you um, just gave to DC just sounded like Doomsday Clock. <laughs> bro, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was, <laughs> when I said it, right? Like for real, oh, he's the hope of everything. So he didn't punch me in the face and now everything's great. What? Uh, what? What's so mad? Like, that's uh, okay uh, it's such a letdown um so um I, again i wanted to do this story i had i had the the, the basics in my mind um I, I wanted to work with certain people some of those people didn't work out uh, and that's just me just hey man you want to be in a crossover hey you want to be in a crossover and you know some yes some no's um i ended up finding some some really good partners and, and they for the most part worked out and uh, i was able to craft able to craft excuse me a, a really Mm -hmm. interesting story i'm not gonna say like on my own oh yeah it was great right but i had fun writing it and it, it when i read through the script myself like it's like a good story that i like to read and that's what i wanted to bring uh, to the table and so i was fortunate enough to get some really good characters i was fortunate enough even within when i started writing the crossover that's when malachi uh actually came on the wingless when i brought him on the wingless with me so like that's been a boon you know things like that um and so it kind of just one thing tumbled into the next um, almost like the story itself. It, it just kind of happened organically. And the things that fall away, fall away. And the things that build on, build on. It just, I, it's organic. And I think that's the best way to, one, tell a story. Two, grow an audience. Three, continue in this business. Dope. Now, the last time that we talked, um, Brian, you, we, we made a reference to the relationship um, between, basically, you as a writer and your editor. You brought up Malachi a bunch of times. That was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have him on the show. So thank you for being here, Malachi, by the way. Thank you for having me. Uh... <laughs> for real. So so as far as like developing these two stories um, between Nightfall 1 and Nightfall 2 and, and basically just encompassing how strong these characters are, how easy or let's say how many how many curves did you have to make in order to put this story together and editing exactly what Brian put down on paper? You know what, um, for me and Brian, we, you know, we pretty much click. Um, there are times when, you know, I wish he had hair so I could pull it out. And, um, <laughs> and maybe it's a good thing we were on different, you know, you know, sides of the country. But, you know, it's a, you know, the word of the night's going to be seamless. It's a pretty seamless partnership. Um, when he has story ideas and he brings it to my attention, they're good, you know, it gets me excited. And if I have story ideas 
I bring it to him. He likes it. And it's like, we just keep on building on it. So um, for me, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I enjoy, you know, building this world with him. Mm-hmm. Um, we call, we call it um, the wing verse. And, he named it that. He won't let it go. And I just had to, I had to give in. No, I don't, I was like, don't. Okay, fine. Me. So it's the wing verse, fine. The wing verse. And, um, <laughs> and you could tell that, you know, we have this, um, this synergy, you know, this chemistry because we have so many more stories, you know, planned after, mm-hmm. you know, on this one. You know, we have, what, like a five-year plan that we're working on now? That's just crossovers, but yeah, yeah. Crossovers, five years worth of, I shouldn't even call them crossovers anymore. Five years worth of big story ideas. Mm-hmm. Now that's separate from the her ongoing series that Malachi's writing, Justice, the ongoing series that I'm writing, Lux, that's going to come out at the end of the year, Crimson, um, Crimson Overdrive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we have five big universe tales that should be debuting each year, one a year, uh, for the next five years. Now, now, one thing that I wanted to basically bring up was the fact that, you know, uh, n- notably, the first book basically chose as a focal point of Avery the Astonishing, uh, mm-hmm. Justice, and Caliburn. In this one, you tend to get. Uh, are we are we looking to get a lot more focal point into the characters of Jinx, Lux, her? So um, yes, yes and no, right? Um, and I mean no from the standpoint of it doesn't go into like it's not. Oh, this issue is this person's. This issue is that person's. Uh, right. Which which you do see right in modern comics. Like oh, if you have uh, extra swords, you had the Wolverine, you know, comic. If, the, not even the tie-in. It's the. It was all about Wolverine. I get it. It's his point book. of views. They were but, um, view books. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, wh- I wrote Nightfall. It's in five parts now, but I actually wrote it as one big story. So the script that Malachi has, the script that Fabio, our artist, has, the script that Nestor, our colorist, has, you know, on and on and on, is a hundred and some odd page, you know, script. It's one thing. Mm-hmm. So even though it's chopped into pieces, you get point of view. Uh, sections from people Mm -hmm. so it's not really per issue it's per section um Avery is is majorly a driver in the series if you just look at the series itself events are happening to her and happening around her and she's driving what we as the audience see yeah Justice is there and he does some stuff but he's not necessarily driving the story Lux is driving the story Mm -hmm. uh Avery is driving the story and 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 the reason I bring that up is kind of twofold it's important. Um, while we're talking about black comics, while we're talking about diversity, while we're talking about inclusion, while we're talking about representation matters, uh, I have to be cognizant that that female representation matters. I honestly created the character of Lux uh, for my little sister. My little sister, obviously, I shouldn't even call her my little sister because we're both grown, but I've called that my entire life. So Jordan, I apologize if you got offended. You know how I love you. Um, when we were growing up, she we used to play, you know, Bro, NES, right? Nintendo video games. There was a uh, wrestling superstars video game. It had one girl on there. This girl was whack. Like she had no moves. It was a girl wrestler, right? And I never understood why she played as this girl wrestler. But like one day, and this is her as like a child, like her is like six years old. Like I'm playing with her because she's the girl, right? She didn't say like, cause she looks like me. She's the girl. So I'm gonna play with the girl. And I was like, okay. At, you know, at 11, 12, I don't, I don't get, I'm like, bro, play with Hulk Hogan. Like dude is buff. Like, but I didn't understand it. But as I got to be an adult, um, and we start talking about representation. I look back and I say, you know, Jordan loved Jubilee, but Jubilee didn't exist for her back then. Jubilee was only Jubilee, right? There was no Black Jubilee. There was no Riri Williams. There was no um, 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 Moon Girl. Thank you. And Devil yeah. Dinosaur. You know, she didn't have all of that. Um, there was no Naomi, right? So for 
it, if we're doing these things, if we're really talking about representation, if we're really talking about one good storytelling, sometimes, even though Justice is my flagship character, Justice is Wingless Comics flagship character, sometimes you got to step back and yep. Justice can take a back seat. That's one of the problems like we were talking about with like DC, right? Oh yeah, Superman gets to be the hero of Doomsday Clock because he's, he's the guy, but it's lackluster. It yeah. would have been better if somebody else had, had been the hero and there was another reason for that. And he could be in there and he could still do Superman-y stuff. Okay, right. cool. But he doesn't have to be the focal point. That's one of the that's one of the problems when you get some of these big companies, even with Wolverine. Wolverine doesn't have to be the focal point of everything. Bro, just go in and cut somebody and deuces. Like, you don't have to do it all the time. <laughs> Captain America, like, bro, you throw a shield. Really? You're going to beat Galactus? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I love him fighting with Thanos, right? I love him picking up the hammer. Great stuff. I love him getting beat down at the end, too. He doesn't have to be the guy, right? Um, and they do that too much. So um, there, there is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for empowering uh, women, and I'm all for empowering the black women that we represent with our comics. So you're going to see a lot of her. You're going to see a lot of Avery. You're going to see a lot of Lux, and it's never going to be at the expense of the story. Just like you're going to see a lot of Caliburn, and you're going to see a lot of Justice, and it's not going to be at the expense of in, expense of the story. Okay, uh, Malachi. Now. Now, from episode from episode one to episode two, no, at the end of episode one, we basically got like almost like the triple stare down between the the three protagonists in in this book, mm-hmm. and paint the picture for everybody because like no, we're talking about like how the Kickstarter went live three days ago, and you guys have already accomplished this goal. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, thank so, you. So for for that being said, of course, you know. The anticipation for this book is what it is. But to see that ending frame, that cliffhanger at the end of episode one and bringing us into episode two, could you paint that picture for everybody? So the picture that I want people to envision, when you think about Marvel in particular, which is my preferred, you know, comp company over DC because make mine Marvel is better than DC. We gonna do that now? You gonna do that right now? Yes, we are. <laughs> We're being friendly right now. Don't, don't you start. I, I have the talking pen. So, um, <laughs> so when you think about when you think about Marvel Comics, you know their big three is you know Captain America, you have Iron Man, and you have Thor. You know those are like the cornerstones of the Avengers and pretty much you know the Marvel Universe. So when you go to the the last page of Nightfall part one, and you have these three bigger than life characters and their eyes are glowing, you know, with the Kirby crackle. And, you know, you see like, you know, the veins throbbing in the forehead and, you know, they're ready to tear each other up. You know, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to build up on that anticipation. Like, you know, something cataclysmic is going to happen. You know that blood will be spilled. They're going to be all these lumps and bruises. People will be thrown through buildings you know, all those um, wonderful things you expect in a huge fight in a comic book. So I want, I want our um, viewers, I want our fans, I want the readers to, to drink in that sight, mm-hmm. you know, burn it into your memory. And then when you go to part two, just keep that in mind. Right. Just keep it in mind, you know? And, and make sure, you know, you have a cold rag, you know, to the side. <laughs> Some smelling salts on the side as well, and possibly a blanket. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm gonna turn it back over to you. I know you're the question man, facts, but um, yeah. 
after getting that six page preview without spoilers. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not giving any. What, what 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 are your what are your thoughts of number two, number number two dovetailing on the end of number one? All right, I'll say this. Um, after reading the first six pages of the and thank you, by the way, <laughs> but after reading those first six pages, I'm sitting there and I think I read too fast. <laughs> because I, <laughs> I read all the way up to all the way up to page six and it brought me back to page one to the point where okay i remember the cliffhanger at the end of episode one so i'm looking at episode two and i'm waiting for this big oh shit moment and in reading those six pages it like i had to, like it's it, i wish i had the book in my hand because I, I read through and i was like wait a minute i had to go back <laughs> I was like, I'm like, wait, hold. I'm like, oh, that's some bullshit. Hold on. <laughs> so, for the audience member, and it, and this is just being me, it shocked me to the point where I had to go back and read it again to to realize what I just saw with my own eyes really did happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, that's 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 why we do it, right? Like, yeah. that's why um, great writing. Thank, thank you again, right? Like, I think that that's, like I said, I, I, I've seen in, in our industry, everybody can do this. And, and I've seen people do it and I've seen people do it to great success. I've seen people do it to less success. And that's even with the bigs. Um, but it's a great thing to like actually have the effect on people that you want. Mm-hmm. To actually like, okay, hey man, I'm gonna throw this in there. And it's not just a gimmick. Like this is not just the gold foil cover so that you pay some extra money. This is like a writing thing to hey did you see this did you catch this did it have the impact and i think that's more important um and i i love that part i I enjoy it and and to the enjoyment factor Mm -hmm. um malik one of the reasons malachi and my relationship works is because when malachi well malachi disapproves of what i do i know Mm -hmm. we were talking the other day and i was like oh i'm gonna do such and such a character i'm not gonna say it because i still plan on doing it right but i'm like hey man i'm gonna do this character and he's like, hmm, I haven't heard you talk about this character before. So where's this coming from? And in my mind, I'm like, well, in my imagination, I just I just thought about it. And so he's like, well, did this inspire you? Did that inspire you? Like, nah, bro, this is like literally from my imagination. And I could tell that Malachi maybe had some plans with said character. And it's all in the subtext, right? It's a writer talking to another writer. Because he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I got this, uh, you know, group of people I got to deal with, too, that kind of overlap with this character. And then we leave it there. But the same thing happens on, on Malachi's end. Malachi will be like, oh, I want to do this and this and maybe some time travel. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do time travel now. Okay, well, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe I wanted to do time travel. And, and so that's what makes it great, right? Because we can even surprise each other, mm-hmm. sometimes good, sometimes bad. But then we carry that over. We make sure we keep that energy when we write. You know, right. if I forget to put something in, Mal will be like, yo, man, what about that? What you call it you were talking about? And either I'm putting it in then or, or I'm, oh, hey, I'm saving it for this crossover. I'm saving it for this book and, and vice versa. And that's, again, I think that's, again, the strength of, of the relationship we have, mm-hmm. which carries over to the work we put out for other people. True. Now, now Malachi, um, in the emphasis of basically building up the universe, so the wing verse, as we're going to call it. Yes. <laughs> you win, Mal. With the emphasis <laughs> on building up the wing verse. As far as building up the protagonist that you want to lead these books, is it is it heavy on basically providing the audience the ability to find some of the side characters favorable 
to the point where they can carry on their own series? You know, when we, so when we create characters, um, we don't kind of, we don't put them in categories. It's like, this is so-and-so, she or he may have a connection to our flagship, um, you know, character or whomever, but it's not like you're going to be on a, a rank level. There's, there's not a system. Um, everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. And when I, when I wrote my book, Her, you know, and I had, you know, the side character of Ramona, people flocked to her. You know, they said, oh, she's a little spunky Asian girl with the pink hair and, you know, the, uh, she's driving a hearse and she has the unicorn, you know, fixation. It, it wasn't my intention for her to, you know, take her spotlight. But was I happy that someone was, you know, acknowledging this character? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because we still want our, you know, our children, as I pull, you know, as I um, say it, we still want them to have that. Um, I won't I won't say like approval, but, you know, it's the attention. You know, you know, we have them in a the story because they fit the need of the story. They're not there just to be props or to make, you know, the um, the head character look good. You know, this is a literary device that's going to help them push the story you know, forward. Mm-hmm. So when so for me personally, when I have a character that's created, it's it's because I, I love the character. I want to see how they work, you know, on the page. You know, is it something that I'm going to keep, you know, in the future? Is it something that I'm going to still work with, or maybe it's just a dud and I can just get rid of it? But I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't play favorites. I put it that way. So I also that, think you know, I'm lying. I'm actually I'm lying. I was like, he does play favorites, but that's cool. I do, and I'm, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> and, it, and it's only I, I apply it to uh, to Brian's characters. Like I love Caliber. Okay. I was just gonna say that's like the big like. I call it well in my own mind. Like I'm just I'm a copywriter now, but um, it's like the Toriyama syndrome, right? Like again, I invented Justice and I invented Caliburn, right? And I didn't really have plan. I mean, I had plans for what was going to happen, but people love Caliburn. That doesn't make them love Justice any less. But it's it's Goku and Vegeta, bro. Like honestly, like you got the diehard Caliburn fans that are just like, nah, he's that dude. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Justice is cool and all, but this is that guy, you know. Um, and I think that that's a, um, I think that that talks a lot about your your ability to write. It, it, you can create great characters when your secondary character is kind of in some ways better. It, look at um Seven Deadly Sins. I love Bond, bro. Bond is way better than Meliodas, but like they're still both dope. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people who are like, nah, Meliodas is that guy. I think when you can create that secondary character and that foil that is just as good or better than your quote unquote main character, then you're doing some good uh, storytelling at that point. It's true. So, so you're saying the anime basically played a big part in you, in your writing? I think I, I there is no way for me to say no. There is no way for me to say that. Um, so I grew up on, but I, so I grew up on the older school stuff. Like I grew up on Robotech. Like Robotech. If anybody's out there listening and they got the rights to Harmony Gold, or y'all got to hook up, like it's been my dream. Hey, I already got a plot lined up for a four movie Robotech series. It's gonna be a, a, a for real, space opera. Like, I got the music and everything, y'all. So if anybody knows somebody who knows somebody, I'll let your boy. I got it down. I know oh, what I'm doing. Okay, so then I ask you this, because I'm also uh, of that of that age caliber. Robotech or Gundam? Ooh, so I got to go Robotech. Well, excuse me, I, I say this. I got to go Robotech as a, as a young man, because I grew up with Robotech. Right. Um, I'm starting to get in some to, to some more of the Gundam stuff, because I wasn't overly exposed. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, Gundam was Gundam. Man, it had some deep plots. Uh, it look. had the the political. I, I even got into. I don't know if you you bro Star Blazers, uh, <laughs> uh, Battleship Yamato. Oh, bro, I can watch that once a week, every week. The one thing I so can don't say, get me started. The one thing I can say about Gundam's fights as uh, as differed from Robotech is that Gundam fights uh, f- fights often happen to the background music of Jazz Fusion. Nobody can get Whoa. ass whooped the jazz fusion. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think cool, that they're broke. Cool ass saxophone playing in the back. Right. You get right. <laughs> right. Dodging <laughs> missiles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that a Gundam, obviously, it's gotten its props lately. And like I said, growing up, I didn't really, um, I, did, I wasn't really aware as much. But um, one of the problems with Robotech is because it's Robotech and now we're not talking about Macross. You get right. reused cells and reused scenes, and you didn't get all the great battles. Because, like, Macross, do you remember love? Like, bro, that is, it's just as amazing as anything else. Um, yeah. um But I, I think they're the way they, they would develop those stories, and even if you're talking about, like, One Piece, and, you know, One Piece is seven trillion episodes long. Um, and it's still engaging. Yeah. So um, I, I definitely think that all creators could learn from not only anime, right? But when I was growing up, I, I watched One Life to Live. I watched General Hospital. Oh, you, you was know, all the soaps, bro. You was Bruh. at grandma's house, weren't you? Bruh. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> right. You already know. You know, so Benny Hinn, too, because she was Christian, so we had to watch some, had to get a religion on, too. But um, but then you have these long-lasting stories, right? Even in old-school WWF, and I say F before it was E, right? You had 10-year-long stories. I always talk about and my brother, my brother's like, man, could you just write it yourself? Because WCW, when they did the break off in the NWO and they had all that going and they were winning the Monday Night Wars, there was a period where you had w, NWO white and NWO red. And they were like, who's the leader of NWO red? It's crazy. Yeah. They're taking over. Miss Elizabeth was rolling with them the whole time. And I had in my mind, I had developed this plot. I was like, Miss Elizabeth is actually the leader of everything and she can control it, everything. Because she was with NWO White when it first started. Then she was with Red and she was always with the most powerful faction. And I was like, that'll be so dope. And then they made it Eric Bischoff and it pissed me off. And I was like, I hate oh, everything. My goodness. But but the but the drama and the pageantry there and being able to 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 elongate a story for years and weeks on end, like if if you can't take the kernels of great out of that stuff, mm-hmm. then I don't think you're Stephen King isn't the only p- person you can study to get a good story. You can no. study wwf you can study soap operas you can study anime you can see how it's it's we get a lot of comics now that are like there's no slow burn they come out and they tell you oh this guy is the greatest guy in the world and he's bulletproof and he's fast he got powers he he got mental powers too and he can stop meteors like him and it's like bro why would you like it and that's why like once you get to it like the art is cute but like okay he can do all of that he's the most he's superman strong and he's beating up bank robbers why he stopping inner city gangs bro stop it what that ain't fair as much as I love Stephen King, I feel like he overutilizes the magical Negro trope too oh, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that in Green Mile, you know, yeah. and like the Shining. The Shining. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And any use it, it all of them. Like literally them. a man that's happy. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, stand right. Because yeah. Whoopi Goldberg yeah. in the stand, yeah, right? yeah, in the stand, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses the magical Negro trope like over and over again, and it's like, yeah. and nobody calls him out on his bullshit, but. He does it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like old Stephen King. I like like Salem's Lot and yes. beautiful things. You know, I like uh, new Stephen right. King. I'm straight. Old Stephen King. I love. He's like old Frank Miller to me. Like I like old Frank Miller. New Frank Miller. Somebody else could have him. Yeah. 
So to, to be honest, horror is what got me into comics. Mm. That's like that's mm. always been like the biggest thing for me. Now, now, Malachi, like where did your writing sense come from? Where were these inspirations happening? You know, it, it's, it's pretty similar to Brian's because my mom was a was an avid General Hospital fan. Mm. And I remember, um, you know, my siblings and I coming home from school at three o'clock and we're watching not Luke and Laura because that was before our time. But, you know, when Sonny Corinthos was, you know, you know, brand new and you had <laughs> justice you know, for Jason, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had the quarter mains and AJ drinking and then you had one life to live. But um, what's her name? Sydney Penny. She was playing Julia yeah. with Noah and because she had the black guy with the dreadlocks. So, you know, as a child, you know, you're you know, you're, you're drawn into this world because it's, it's so interesting and it's so dramatic. And um, I remember um, when I was a kid, my, you know, my, my brother and I, and my sister to some degree, but mainly it was just me and my brother, Malcolm, we um, created this, this world, <laughs> we called it um, Gloveling Glove. And it was this community of people who lived together. Um, there were some mutants, there were some humans, you know, um, we had Wolverine, he was in love. Actually, we were the first ones to give Wolverine a real name. You know, there was no Dave Howlett shit. No, but he was Logan's wife back in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, married, he married the comic strip Brenda Starr. They had children. Brenda Starr? <laughs> yes, because she was one of my favorites growing up. Right. And so it was like, I, I had all that, um, all that um, energy, all that um, imagination. And I can tell you, my brother and I, we did that for years, and it was to the point where I had a, a, a notebook, like a um, you know a composition notebook, and I would write down what would happen each day. Mm-hmm. And when I when I got to be like twelve or thirteen, you know, of course you don't want to play with toys anymore. It was okay. Well, I want to continue, you know, developing my craft. So then I started doing like these um, these little novels and. I would have my mom read it. So she would stop whatever she was doing. Like she'd be on the phone with somebody. If I rushed in the room with, you know, with, um, you know, a bunch, a bunch of papers in my hand, she would hang up on the person or she would, you know, turn down the TV and I would read a chapter to her. And um, one title that I'm going to use, I'm going to find a way to um, use it. Um, right. I did a story called Cracked Utopia. Right. And I was like 13, 14, I want to say. Mm. And she was such a, a major influence in my writing. Like she said, Malachi, you know, when you have your first book signing, you know, I, you know, I'm going to be the first one in line to get my, my, you know, my autograph. And I, and I didn't believe it then. I was like, no, you know, that's not going to happen, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, you know, I did have that happen. So, you know, her encouragement, you know, you know, me reading comic books galore, you know, starting in, I started in 1993-ish, but it was the Onslaught saga that drew me in. Ah. Because, yeah. I mean, I was 12. So we're going back some of 96. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know I look real Speaking young. Speaking of lackluster endings. <laughs> Actually, no. Um, no, because I, 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 I did like how they wrapped it up. Like, for me. I already was, drank my drink when I said it. So Listen, I'm not. I, I drank I my drink when I like, said it. And what, I, what I loved about um, the ending of the Onslaught saga is that um, the X-Men were, were pretty much beaten, you know, they were, you know, wearing like the tattered, you know, costumes and Onslaught, you know, he's kicking their ass and then you see the smoke clear and you see like the shield 
And then you see, you know, um, Captain America, uh, you know, Captain America come through and Thor is helping Storm up and you have um, the Hulk, he's holding Rogue and we're reading his hands. And then they had a caption that says Age of Marvels. So as a 12 year old, I'm like, oh my God, right. what's gonna happen? And so, and throughout that, that final issue, you know, there's a part where you see Johnny, you know, he picks up Crystal. So that brings you back to when they used to date. And then you had um, Quicksilver, he called Vision his brother. And you know how he hated Vision in the beginning because yeah. he wasn't real. And then, you know, at the very end when, when Sue was about to hold her son for the last time, he said no, and he whooped reality. So for me, that was some top notch shit. Like, you know, I, don't you drink that drink? <laughs> for me, look, look, no, no. So the storytelling leading up to the end, I'll give you that, right? I loved it too. I said what I said. I'm talking, I'm talking about those, stop it. Those last, what, six pages where Thor jumps into, a, and it's literally a rip in the comic page. And yeah. he jumps in. I say, it's dope, right? I say the name. I love Thor when he gets a yeah. line like that, right? I say the name. Great. But they literally jumped into a riff. And then the next two-page layout is all the X-Men just shooting their powers at a riff. riff at no, but come on, bro. It was weak. It was it, The, the buildup, I thought, was amazing. The buildup was of so course. great. And I agree with you on, on every piece of that, like the, the vision thing, all of that stuff. Even the issue before where you have uh, Captain America talking to Joseph, you know what I mean, yeah. on the rooftop. Like, yeah. I loved all of that. Like, it was all, it was, I agree with you 100%. It was all great. But Brian, the ending, those the last four to six pages, I was like. <gasps> but Brian, don't forget, the part, don't forget the part where, um, I think it was Uncanny X-Men 336, 337, when um, the Invisible Woman, she slapped Cyclops in the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it had a bunch of good moments there. I loved, I forget what issue it was, but um, when Bishop, when you finally see Bishop's ultimate origin, right, where he takes in all the energy. And you had seen that yeah. since Bishop's original appearance. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's, you know, yeah. that was dope. The onslaught threw um, Juggernaut across the world. Yes, <laughs> I he was did. like, that across was the entire crazy. world? You know, he uh, he he he, he uh, tattooed his name on Gene's forehead. I yes. loved it all. Like, I love all the, the build-up. I love the build-up. But it felt to me like, like we feel about Doomsday Clock now. Like, at the very, very end, yeah. It just petered out. Like, I know they wanted to get him over to the pocket universe to do the reboot, to do the restart. I'm with it. I just feel like it kind of petered out. Like, it could have looked so much more dynamic because even when you destroy Onslaught, like, you, he ended up looking like a crab dude. He was dope when he was that armored Magneto and everybody could tell who he was. He's like, I ain't Magneto. Okay, bro. <laughs> sure, you're not Magneto with the helmet on. Right. Yeah. You know? But no, I, when, I, when, I, that, when that ended, it was kind of like, that was it for Onslaught. It was, mm -hmm. but then he came back, which made it so annoying. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it was like. It was like the end. It's kind of like yeah, with, with yeah. Doomsday Clock. It was like, okay, the fight's over. Where does this lead? To yeah. nothing. Yeah, right. They didn't even pick it up, and it was like, oh, they're gonna go through this door, and some other stuff is gonna happen, and we're still sitting here like, but where's the other stuff though? Yeah, <laughs> what? I got. I love um, what was it? X Men Alpha and X Men Omega. Now that was a good ending to me. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Bishop come back. Yeah. David Haller stabs him with the thing, sees everything he did wrong, and then he dissipates himself. Mm -hmm. Xavier's back. Now you got all these other yeah. things happening. As the Age of Apocalypse world gets bombed by, you know, nukes. I thought, I was like, oh, oh man, okay. You're trying to pull the heartstrings. People fail to realize how many pivotal books Bishop has been the focal point in. Bro. And don't forget how they played him in the Messiah Complex. Yes. 
I was so mad. I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I was Days so of, mad. Days of Future's past. It's not Wolverine that goes back. Right? Like, so, uh, excuse me? That, yeah, I was so not, mad. I was so mad the movie. Yeah, not the movies. Right. Cinematically, I know, I know Marvel right. like to be predictable and everything like that. And at that point, they wanted Wolverine to be the focal point and all this stuff. But that's that's beyond. I, that, that annoyed the hell out of me, too. Like, where's Kitty? Where was Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It makes no. So it actually makes no sense to have Wolverine as the focal point of anything because he's not supposed to be that type of character. Never. He is the guy that jumps in and jumps out when they did. Like you said, when they did that David Howlett stuff, that yeah. was the worst thing they ever did to Wolverine. They should have kept him either no origin or really connected to Sabretooth like it was supposed to be where Sabretooth was supposed to be his father. And hey, you're like, oh, snap. No. That's what. Oh, do you, so did you ever read the original stuff? Did you read the original? I did. I oh, did. Oh, I love that when Sabretooth would come around for his birthday and beat him down every time. <laughs> oh, it's your birthday. What's his name? Ass Pops. Pops. You know what I'm saying? Like, boop, 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 boop. And they just wouldn't say it. I thought that was so dope, bro. And then, right. then they just didn't develop it because, oh, they, now they needed to be brothers, kind of, maybe, but and not. Dog, what? Remember his brother, Dog, from the origin story? And oh, and with redheads. And I'm like, what? what is what? What am I reading? Right. Oh, and th- then they made that canon. They were like, this is this. Yeah, this is the one we're going to go with. Uh, mm-hmm. But why, though? <laughs> but why? That's why re- all the stuff, the stuff with Weapon X became nothing. And Weapon X was so dope. And they've made Weapon X but trash. They, they said it wasn't Weapon X anymore. It was Weapon 10. I will never do that. I will never, ever do that. that. I will never. It's always going to be X for me. Make mine X. Yeah, that's why. To be honest, there, there's an entire conversation that retconning is just a problem in comics. Scarlet Witch, oh, Silver, oh no longer the kids, and Magneto. Look, it, it, it turned into the fact where Magneto went from being their father to being their mentor, which was weird. And then nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, like what? I mean, what? That makes there's zero certain, sense. There's certain people. But Polaris that- is his kid. Yeah, there's certain people that argue the fact we're like, oh, do not talk about Scarlet Witch in X-Men theories. She is an Avenger. And I get that. That's fine. But she was an X-Men villain first. They forget yeah. that. She was a villain. She was part right. of the right. Brotherhood. Forget that. Right? Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, we're such I, don't, I love yeah. it. So, so <laughs> the last big thing I, 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 uh, I wanted to touch on was the fact that you two, uh, you two, as much as met, as much as a lot of other indie companies, you you both collaborate, but you do not live very close to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you able to maintain a working relationship with the ability to put out great work while being that far apart? Agatha Harkness. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think like like Malachi said, I think that's actually one of our strengths, right? Because they're there would have been times where nah, we would have like, uh, hey man, meet me in the park. We're gonna go have lunch. And as soon as he gets there, like yeah. Stone Cold Stunner, like it's <laughs> it's a wrap. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and, and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that's uh, it's actually good. Um, I think um, one, our work hours are what they are. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I actually get up pretty early, which is like regular time for him. So mm-hmm. we can communicate kind of throughout the day. And um, everything isn't about work. True. A lot of it is, you know, 85 percent, you know, is work related, if not work itself. But, um, you know, we'll talk about memes that, you know, either one of us put up or or our, our DC versus Marvel kind of thing. And and both of us having knowledge of both companies or, you know, whatever it is. I think working relationships work when you want them to. A lot of independent artists, I mean, a lot of independent creators, excuse me, have artists overseas. I definitely do. Fabio's from Brazil. Nestor's from the Philippines. Um, Gladeson is from Brazil. Jaleelson is from Brazil, 
you know, on and on and on. Uh, and I think when you learn how to communicate and you learn your communication style, then you can communicate with almost anyone. And if you want something to work, even when there are problems, you look for ways to make it work. Yeah. I've had partners in the past um, where there were problems and they didn't look for solutions. They looked for problems. They looked for more problems. As the problem is happening, let's look for more problems. Let's be mm -hmm. more angry as opposed to let's find a solution. Again, uh, Malachi and I have worked together long enough to where if, Mal <laughs> if Malachi says something and I just go, okay, he knows he's not going to bring it up again because either it made me mad, I didn't like it, or you know whatever it is, right? If it's just like, oh, okay, either that means I hey, do what you want to do because it's mm -hmm. your property or yeah. I don't want to talk about it mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. Yeah, I can tell by Malachi's responses, okay, cool, either I'm going to do this alone and I'm going to do it because I want to do it mm -hmm. or I'm going to approach this a different way communication people often forget that communication is two ways it's not oh i communicated because i told him something that's not communication communication right. is making sure that they understand and grasp where you're coming from and you grasp where they're coming from and malachi and i work you know pretty diligently and we talk i think you know since we since we even before we partnered up um in terms of writing and stuff we we, we were talking every i don't think we've gone two days three days maybe tops without talking to each other Mm. Yeah. Um, just about whatever it is. And that's that's including like, OK, man, hey, I need a few days, a break from Facebook. I need a vacation. Me and Malachi will still communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, he'll get maybe a two day rest. I'll get maybe a two day rest. And if we're not talking on the third day, something's wrong. Like he may be sick or I may be I must be sick. Um, but but we just keep that constant stream of communication. And it really is. It's easier when you actually legitimately have someone's best interest in mind, like, hey, Malachi may edit my things or I may edit his and he may not like what I edit, but right. at the end of the day, he knows I'm trying to get the best story and mm -hmm. it don't matter. It's not about pride. It's not about him. It's not about me. It's about getting the best product. So wingless puts out the best product on both ends. And I think that that's the major benefit and one of the major strengths of, of our working relationship. And don't forget, um, it's something that, that, also, that should also be um, brought up, you know, Brian and I were friends first, you know, you know, we, so we already had, you know, a relationship, that we were um were cultivating or whatever that was still that was still um being built mm -hmm. so we already had it was easier for us i guess um gotcha. it wasn't just always business you know we discussed you know our lives outside of wingless you know you know we you know we know each other's you know families and you know we discussed about you know what's going on in the world so it's nice to have you know a blend of you know this is regular life and this is, you know, the life that we want to build. Right. Man, that's great. Yo, for one, I'm glad to have both of you on. I felt like it was only right to get both of you, uh, both of your perspectives as far as the company's concerned. And I feel like y'all's relationship pushes the fact that you get great comics time and time again. Oh, Please, if you would. If you would uh, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about Wingless Comics, what's, how, what's the how's the best how and what is the best way to reach you, Malachi? First. Scarlet Witch gets to take this one. Oh, I don't you the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I'm Agatha. <laughs> I thought I was Agatha. So, I look, um, look, look, I've been drinking. I'm Agatha. Okay. <laughs> so um, you can reach us through actually on IG. Um, wingless comics and we have a website um it's, it's wingless ent mm -hmm. so like just like you know for entertainment so wingless int.com 
And we also were on Facebook. Um, we have um, the Wingless fan page. We have actually two fan pages, but we're facing out the old one because Facebook is annoying as hell. But yeah. we have two fan pages. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, we have our respective um, IG handles. You know, I'm Mal underscore the underscore writer, but you already knew that because we follow each other. Um, and Brian is like, was it Brian underscore white? Wyckoff Lambert, yeah, yes. but that's private. So don't don't look for me there because I'm not going <laughs> to no. know who you guys are. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. And so the mine is public because <laughs> <laughs> I was a public person. No, so uh, also don't forget we actually are live on Kickstarter right now. We just yeah. launched the Nightfall yes. um, Part Two: A Cold Wind Blows uh, campaign. It, it launched on Friday. We are already funded, but we definitely, definitely, definitely still need your help. Um, to reach uh, a higher goals. We got some stretch goals coming up. So um, we will have at, what are we at now? Huh? So at um, 3,500, we will be giving a series of four um, eBooks away that I'm going to announce tomorrow. We have another creator that we're working with that is going to give a stretch goal to all of our backers at uh, 3,500. Um, at 5,500, I've got a surprise for you guys, but it's going to be a print by a very well-renowned artist, a very talented artist. Uh, you might have seen his work on Battle Chasers, and that's all I'm going to give you. So if people know about Battle Chasers, they'll know who I'm talking about. Right. Um, like I said, he's a very, very awesome artist, very, very uh, well-respected in the industry, and his work is is great. It's gonna You're going to get to see the wingless characters um, in a different style, which is going to be really, really fun. So we've got some stretch goals out there for you guys that we want to give to everybody that we want to make, and we want to make sure that we go into issue three uh, with a lot of momentum because we got we got three more issues, guys. And honestly, even with what what James has said here in terms of um, his jaw dropping and, and not being, you know, getting that oh, oh shit moment, uh, you got three more issues. Yeah. And I just told you how much I like endings, guys. So think about it. We're building up to something really great. So, you know, again, keep this momentum going and uh, be sure to check us out on Kickstarter. Uh, you can look us up, Wingless Comics on Kickstarter, um, also on Nightfall, and we'll come right up. Dope. So for one, thank you guys for for both of you guys coming on and do 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 your do your uh, due diligence and get out there and just like, please get their Kickstarter. I know they've already accomplished their goal, but basically for for those indie comic book creators that are out there, they're basically trying to hit their mark as far as their stretch goals are concerned. It's only a benefit to the people that are being the consumers. And these guys are just doing an excellent job. Top to bottom. They have excellent lineup of characters. And I hope that everybody just basically is just puts it out there that they can they can they can see just a, a good storyline with great writers and awesome characters time and time again. So for for myself to Malachi and Brian at Wingless Comics, I appreciate everybody. Facts Project. We are out. <laughs>